this week I was meditating on the message and I was very intrigued by a story that I read about a 39-year-old mother that was suffering some, some splitting headaches and her, her head would, would hurt terribly. And listen, before she knew what happened, before she knew what was going on, she was undergoing surgery for a brain aneurysm. The operation was a success, but it had an unusual side effect. The side effect was a partial amnesia that was uh, caused her brain to erase 16 years of her life. This 39-year-old mother of three, when she awoke, was 23 years old. That it erased, and, and we know as parents in this room, how sweet the memories are. But this mother of these small children had lost 16 years of happiness and achievement, but listen, a lot of pain and regrets in her life were also gone. I want to ask you a question this morning. Would it be a blessing to erase your past? You know, so many times we think about doing life over or if we could, if we could only have another chance. And when you think back, I, there's a lot of good things that you'd never erase, but how many things in our lives would we erase if we had the chance to erase them? This week and next week, we're down to our last three sermons on Let Freedom Ring. And today, our one truth that I want us to take with us is freedom from your past. Freedom from your past. If you brought your Bible today, if you would turn to John chapter 4 in the very first verse, and we're going to read through verse 42. We're not going to stand. We normally stand in honor of God's word. But I'm going to read the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman this morning. And as you turn to John chapter 4, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your word, Father. We just ask that you would speak clearly to us, Father. Do a work in our hearts. Let us not leave the same as we came in. And we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. John chapter 4. It says, When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew... Ask from a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water that I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me some of this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have said correctly. I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you have had five husbands and the man you have now or the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then the disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months. And then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another, and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. 
Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman had testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really the Savior of the world. Amen. The word of the Lord. The first thing that we see in the account as as we read this morning is the story of a troubled past. It was normal for Jews to bypass as as he's leaving, right? He, he's going to Galilee, right? And it's it's normal uh, for them to Jewish people to bypass Samaria uh, because Samaritans are known to be inbreeds, right? That they were Jewish people who had uh, who had uh, made families. With the Assyrians, right? The Assyrians had taken over that land from the Babylonians, and the Babylonians had had taken it over uh, in northern Jerusalem. But normally, a Jewish person would go around Samaria as they would head to Galilee, or vice versa. But Jesus, the first thing we need to understand is that Jesus is there for a reason. Right in, in in Jesus, I don't know about you, but in every story, as we uh, are saved, Jesus comes to meet us right where we are. Right, he, he he's there, he's there for a reason. It's a divine appointment, and it's high noon. I don't want you to miss that. That it's in the middle of the day. The sun is at its peak. Here she comes, and and she's. Coming to this path that she normally comes down, uh, you know, all of the people of this town would come to this well. This well is where they all came to draw water, but it's very odd that she comes at midday. You see, normally, the ladies of the town would come at dawn. But here she is at midday, and I believe that she's coming at midday to avoid the scorn, right? The ridicule and the stares that she may get, right? You, you know the past. Jesus exposes her past. We all read exactly what, what had happened in her life. But she's there, and you can only imagine why she's there in the middle of the day, right? There, everybody else, all the rest of the women come when the sun's coming up because it is brutally hot in the Middle East. And here she is by herself, and Jesus is there. He's sitting there waiting on her. But you can imagine, too, as she's going down this pathway, these paths are, are, are very defined because people go to these wells from all areas. I imagine if you were standing at this well and you looked around, there would be pathway entries all the way around it because everybody from all around would be coming to this town. But you can imagine the path that she's walking down as she's headed there at noon. Her heart is as heavy as the water jar that she's toting. Right? Her soul 
is empty as its contents. And her spirit is as dry as the dust that is stirred from her sandals. She's on the way and she has no idea what is about to happen in her life. But you can imagine as she's walking down that pathway, all the thoughts is going through our mind. She's thinking about things and thinking about her past. Uh, the way that we might relate with that is as we drive down the road, we all experience thoughts, right? When you're driving, especially when you're alone like she is, you kind of think about things in your life. It may be current events, but it could be things from our past. You know, she may be considering uh, the, the, the paths that, you know, that path that she's walking down towards that well might, might even be a good illustration, a reminder of all the paths in her life that she had chosen. Why does she, if she's thinking about those things, she may be thinking her, in her, to herself that what's done is done. Right? How many times in our lives do we say, you know what, I can't go back and redo it. It is what it is. You know, she may be thinking, you know, I can't go back. I can't relieve the past. Just like Jesus, uh, you know, exposes and, and, and he brings up and, and talks to her about, she's, she may be thinking about all of the wayward walk, the, the wrong choices, the empty promises, the failed relationships. That she had traveled down one path after another trying to quench her thirst for love and for meaningfulness in her life, for satisfaction. And time and time again, that she had come up empty and she had come up disappointed again and again. That, that water jar that she's toting is a perfect reminder of her life. That it's empty. So after we see the, the, the account of her troubled past, we also need to understand and see a, a Savior who is sitting there at high noon and he knows your past. He knew her past. You know, you can't hide from God. He knows everything about us. And listen, as she, you know, if you're sitting at the well and you're looking around and see all those pathway entries to that well, I imagine as he sat there and she came through at the, at the mouth of that path, as he looked at her, he saw it all. Not only did he see her, but he gazed beyond her appearance. He seen the hurt in her heart. He saw the hollowness of her soul and he saw the emptiness of her spirit. He speaks to her and he offers her water, but not the water that she's there for. He offers her water that is his water and it's the living water that he knows will soothe the hurt that's in her heart. Right? He sees her and he knows that it will fill her soul and it will quench her spirit that is dry. Just like us, he knew her past. He knew her past and her current living situations. I also want you to, to see that he didn't call her a sinner. That he didn't offer her some evangelical spill. 
I want you to also notice that he presented no structure, uh, plan, structure, plan of salvation. He didn't even lecture her. None of those things happened. He didn't even pray with her. But what he did give her an opportunity to do was reflect on her past. And he gives us the same opportunity to, to reflect on ours. You know, whenever you think about uh, the, the context in which this is written, many people didn't have mirrors. But you can bet that as they draw water, whenever that bucket went down, when that jar went down to get that water, as they looked in, they saw themselves. It wasn't very often that they would get to see a reflection like that of themselves. And I can imagine that, that when she saw herself, when she saw her own reflection, that she would see a face in a life that she may not like. That she may look at herself and have th- you know, thoughts of embarrassment or shame. That she, that she may wish that she could relive and redo her life. As she reflected on her past, I can imagine that she knew that that same past was always there. That it was always staring back at her, just like her reflection. But here she was discussing her past with a, with a, with a Jewish man, the savior of the world. And he was given this adulterous, troubled, hurt human being, an opportunity beyond to get past her checkered past. And he was offering her, listen to me, the gift of all gifts. All the years that she had given herself, all the things of her life, she had given her morality, she had given her self-respect, Think about it. She had given her her significance. She had given her value to man after man after man in hope to find something great. And it was finally time for her to experience the fullness and the value that she had always been seeking. Listen, the the Savior of the world was there to give her the gift of all gifts. If you're not paying attention, you might even miss it in the text. We talked about it a few minutes ago in in the um, announcements, you know, the ABCs of salvation. Right? He didn't show her a structured plan of salvation, but it's right here in the text. Admitting that you're a sinner, believing that Jesus is the Messiah, and confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. As she reflects on her past, as Jesus brings those things up, you see in the text that she says, you are right. I am a sinner. As he, as he speaks to her, he tells her, listen, and this is the very first time when you look at verse 26, Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, am he. That's the very first time in scripture that Jesus actually tells anyone on earth that he is God. 
that he is the Messiah. And he tells her right here in this account that he is the one. She believes that, and if you notice, <clears throat> it leads directly to a testimony of a forgiven past, right? That, that's, that's the last ingredient of salvation, that you admit you're a sinner, that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, the only way of reconciliation to God, and that you confess that Jesus is Lord. And I want you to see right there in verse 28, it says the woman is gone. It says she left her water jar and went to town and she was telling person after person after person that you've got to come and see what I have seen. Amen. She confesses with her lips. And listen, that's the plan. There, there is a reason why we don't immediately go to heaven. When we confess that Jesus is Lord. When we're saved, we don't go to heaven because Jesus has a plan for our lives. We're not saved so that we can hold it inside. Listen, whenever she's cleansed and she's freed, the Samaritan woman's guilt of her sins are removed. Her past, she's freed finally. Listen to me, freed from her past. She springs, her soul springs to life like a parched desert. In a downpour. And she bubbles over. Like a babbling brook. Her new life. Could not be contained. I want you to know. That Jesus gave her the opportunity. For her past to be behind her. But I also want you to see. That her future. Looked bright. For the first time. In a long time. He had transformed her life. And her future looked unbelievable. She could face the new day, just like this, when we started this, this text, we saw her walking down this road, and she's walking down the road in, in the middle of the day for a reason. But as she looks forward, she can face a new day in the old acquaintances in a new way. As she left and she leaves her water jar laying there at the well, that, that is a great reminder that, that, listen, that water jar is empty, but her soul was filled to overflow. Do you see it? She, what she came there after was water that went in that jar, but what she left with was exactly what Jesus promised her. Look at verse 14, Jesus says, I will give him a well of water that will spring up, up in him eternal life. There was a man that was talking to his friend and they were talking about some things that were up and coming. And he said, man, you, you know, you, you look worried about the future. And the guy says, well, if the future is anything like the past, if, if, if the future looks anything like my life before, I got a lot to worry about. But that's not what Jesus teaches. You see, Jesus tells us that when we put our faith in him, 
that our future no longer has to look that way. That our past is the past, but we can walk away from that and our future can be full of hope. It all starts at salvation. That when we admit that we're a sinner and we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and we confess that he's Lord, we're freed from our past. But one thing I do want you to understand this morning is that our past doesn't just go away. Although it's covered by the blood of Jesus, it's also how we witness. So, so we always have to understand that, that, yes, he does wash it away white as snow, but we have to have that reminder there so that we don't go back to the same things, number one. But we also have to give the glory to God that this is what we've been freed from so that we can go just like she, she did and tell everybody we know that this is what I have been delivered from. A good example is when you are in your car, there's mirrors in your car. You know, that you have a rear view mirror, you have side view mirrors. They're there, but but what are you doing when you look in the mirror? You're going backwards. That that's a good reminder for us that we can't go forwards and look in the mirror. Right? The mirror is there, it needs to stay there. But we can't move forward in our lives and look backwards. Here's another one for you. This this one's free of charge. (laughs) The mirror in the car is also a great reminder because of the size of it. When you look in that mirror, the mirror is small. But when you're going forward, you're looking through the windshield. And the windshield is enormous in, in, in Perspective, or when you compare it to the size of the rearview mirror. And, and what I want you to see is that the devil, the enemy, wants you to continue to be bound to your past. He wants you to stare into that mirror because he does not want you to see out that windshield. I want you to think about this for a minute. The past is small. But when you put your faith in Jesus, eternity is forever. And that's why that windshield is so big and it's so vast. And, and, and it looks like that the, uh, we're tied to our past and the past is such a small time. If you stare at that, it makes the future look gloomy. But when you take your eyes off the past and you put your faith in Jesus and you stare through the windshield of life, then you, it, you understand at that point that you have eternity and there's hope. Jesus wants you to focus towards eternity. He wants you to look forward. As we conclude today, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. Just like the Samaritan woman, we're given freedom from our past. But I want you to consider this. It's not about us. I'm going to say that again. Just like the Samaritan woman, when we put our faith in Jesus, 
We're given freedom from our past. That is our point today, freedom from our past. But it's not about us. We're given freedom from our past because we are to give the glory to God. That we're given freedom from our past for the sake of the gospel. That that is why we are given freedom. 